now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Hold your Bible high up in the air. Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to talk a little bit about the Spirit of God. And as believers, as we lock in to these four areas, the the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, and the power of God's Holy Spirit, it makes us more than conquerors. Amen? And it empowers us to really minister to people. When you know the power of Jesus' name and can And when you are confronted, when you come face to face with a need, with a challenge, you know that you can draw authority from that name or through that name. When you know the power of the blood of Jesus and what God has done for you and me on the cross of Jesus, that that blood shed at Calvary's cross has answer, is the answer for every sin and every problem this world ever faces. That cross is God's one and only and final and complete answer. Then you and I can face the world and say, we have an answer. When you and I understand the power of God's word, that God's word is his covenant to us and he works by his word and his word is powerful. His word is inherent with his power. It will work in us and when we proclaim it, his word will not return to him void. Then it gives us the courage to go and minister to people, minister the word of God to people. Amen. And this morning to complete this four pack, I want to talk a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, the subject of the Holy Spirit is so huge, it's so vast. It'll take us many, many hours to really, you know, understand the person, the work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to zero in on a few things this morning, just to awaken us as God's people to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and and how powerful He is working in us and working through us. Let's begin in John chapter 14. We look at a couple of verses in John 14, verses 16 to 18. John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18. Jesus said here, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John chapter 14, verses 16, 17, and 18. Notice what Jesus says. He says, you know, I'm going to send you another helper. That Greek word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit as he introduces the person of the Holy Spirit is very interesting. He uses the word parakletos, which simply, which is a complex word. It's a one word that has a sevenfold meaning to it. And it's almost like Jesus is trying to capture in one word the multifaceted ministry and work of the Holy Spirit to us as believers. When he says, I will send you the parakletos. 
That word means several things, seven things. Comforter, helper, counselor, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by. The Holy Spirit is your parakletos. He's here to be a counselor. He's here to be our comforter. He's here to be our strengthener. He's here to be our helper, our advocate, our intercessor, our standby. The one who's with us all the time. So Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you know, the world doesn't know anything about him. The world can't see him. The world doesn't know him. But he's with you. He will be in you. And then he says this. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So here's one very important thing you and I must understand about the Spirit of God who is with us. That the Holy Spirit with you and me is as good as Jesus being physically present with you and me. Amen? Now just imagine this. If Jesus accompanied you to your school, or if Jesus accompanied you to your college, or if Jesus accompanied you to your workplace, what would you do? Would you say, Jesus, don't let anybody know you are here. You wouldn't do that. You'd probably be so excited. You'd find every sick person and say, hey, come, 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 come. Jesus is here. He will heal you. You'd find every person who's struggling with sin and loss and say, come, come, come here. Jesus is here. He will forgive your sin. He will save you. You'll find every person who's got some problem, some difficulty, looking for answers, say, come, 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 come. Jesus is here. I will book an appointment for him. For you to meet him. Come, come on. you got to meet Jesus. He is here. And you'll have such confidence that Jesus Christ will meet their needs. Wouldn't you? Now, Jesus said, I will come to you. The Holy Spirit with you and me really is as good as Jesus being with you and me. Amen. Now, it's quite possible that you and I have really not grasped the magnitude of who the Spirit of God is in our lives. And that's why we probably don't get so excited. But I think when you and I understand what Jesus said, what he meant when he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you in the person of the Spirit. It's as good as me being there with you. And when we meet friends who are sick, when we meet people who have a need, we're not going to call the pastor. There's nothing wrong in calling the pastor. But we're not going to say, the pastor has Jesus. I don't. No, we're going to say the comforter, the Holy Spirit is in me. He's with me. I can help you. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit with you is as good as Jesus being with you. Why don't we all say this and say it like you mean it. The Holy Spirit with me is as good as Jesus being with me. Let's say it again. The Holy Spirit with me is as good as Jesus being with me. Amen. Now remember that. The next time you encounter somebody with a need, the next time you encounter somebody with a problem, remember the Holy Spirit is with you. And He being with you is as good as Jesus being with you. Amen? So you can offer to help. I can. I can pray in the name of Jesus. And the Spirit of God will work through me, will work through you. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us as believers, His work very broadly summarized It's a work that he does in us and a work that he does through us as believers. He works in us and he works through us. So let's talk about the first part. In the first part, the Holy Spirit working in us, what is he trying to do? 
the Holy Spirit working in us is many, 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 many things. We are born again by the Spirit. He is the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of sonship by which we cry out, Abba, Father. He bears witness within us that we are the children of God. He gives us the guarantee. If somebody asks you, are you saved? You say, yeah. Are you a child of God? You say, yeah. How do you know? Give me a birth certificate. How do you know you're a child of God? Well, the Holy Spirit in me, in you, is the witness. He testifies within us that we are sons of God. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He is our hotline to God because He takes what Jesus is saying and He speaks it to us. And like this, so many things. He's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's a spirit of understanding. He's a spirit of counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And, and many, 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 many things the Holy Spirit is to us as believers. But if we put all this together, what is He trying to achieve in us? What's all this for? And I think there's one verse that captures it so beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So if you'll turn with me there, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 18, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So he says, all of us, you know, we are looking at Christ kind of dimly as if we are looking at Him through a glass. It's, it's dim. And yet as we gaze upon Him, we are being transformed. We are being changed into that same image by the Spirit of God. So what is the Holy Spirit trying to achieve in you and me? What's all that He's doing in me for? To conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We are being changed. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. By the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what's he doing in you? What's he doing in me? Changing me. Conforming me to be like Jesus. Christ likeness. That's what he's working in you and me. Amen. So all these things that he's doing. His guidance, His leading, His inner witness, His testifying, all of that is all geared towards one thing, to make me more and more like Jesus. Amen? Now, in all that He does, I want to focus in on one aspect of His inner working in the life of the believer. And then later on, we have time, we'll talk about His outward working through the believer. But His inner working in the life of the believer, one very important thing, He helps you and me crucify the flesh. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you and me as He works towards conforming us to the image of Jesus. One of the things, probably the main thing, a major thing He does in us is help us to crucify the flesh. In Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about the two Adams. The first Adam and the second Adam that is Christ. And he says, you know, the first Adam sinned. And because of him, sin passed on the entire human race. Death came on all. But the second Adam, Christ, comes in through his obedience. By one man's obedience, grace has been extended to all. And we have received abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness through grace. And so he says, you know, through the cross of Jesus, by his obedience, here's what happens. All of us receive abundance of grace. And God's gift of righteousness. And we stand before God totally absolved of all sin. We are righteous in His eyes. And 
continuing in that same thought, he goes into what we call as chapter 6 and he says, So, should grace abound? Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He says, No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. We don't have to continue in sin. And then he points back to the same cross. And he says, on the same cross, through his obedience, grace came. The free gift of righteousness came. We reign in life through his grace, abundance of grace and his righteousness. Through that same cross, we have been set free from the power of sin. Let's pick up some verses here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Paul says this, knowing this, or knowing this is a fact that you need to know. It's a truth that you and I need to know. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin or the power of sin might be done away with or destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. On that same cross, our old man, the old sinful nature inside of us was crucified, was put to death. That the power of sin, the body of sin, the power of sin might be destroyed so that we should no longer serve sin. Meaning, you as a believer have been set free from the dominion of sin through the cross. That's why he says in verse 14, if you look at that in verse 14, and I'm just speaking out a couple of verses from Romans 6. He says, for sin will not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Sin will not have dominion over you. Say this with me. Sin will not have dominion over me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Sin will not have dominion over me. As a believer, there is no sin that needs to dominate you and me. Pastor, I'll be good on Sundays. But the other days, you know, I've got little things, little issues that I'm dealing with. Just leave me alone. It's okay, I'll still make it to heaven. Listen, if you want to live like that, that's up to you. But I don't need to tell you, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live dominated by any sin, any habit. Whether it's emotional, psychological, or habitual deeds of your body. Some of our sins are, you know, things like anger, hatred, jealousy, pride. They're sins. Some of other things may be pornography and lust and ungodly cravings and desires that we yield to. Those are still sins. But whatever kind of sin we're talking about, whether it's of the emotional kind or whether it's of the doing kind, the fact is, as a believer, you and I are free from its control because of the cross. Sin will not have dominion over you. So Paul, as he begins his talk about the grace of God, he says, look, that's the grace of God coming through the cross, but it's that same grace that empowers you and me to live free from sin. But then he says, I understand there is a problem. What's the problem? It's this. Verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. You got this good old friend with you called the flesh. And while we know that our old man was crucified with him on the cross. So that the power of sin might be destroyed, that we should no longer serve sin. I still speak to you in human terms. Meaning I understand us as human beings. We still have this thing called the weakness of our flesh. I understand that Paul says. I write to you in human terms. I'm speaking to, you know, just plain simple down to earth. He says, here's what you and I need to do. For just as we presented our, your members as slaves of uncleanness. And of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for 
holiness. So here's the deal Paul is saying. The cross of Jesus Christ has dealt with your inner person. In fact, in Ephesians 4.24, he says that your inner person is the new man, which is created in the righteousness of God, created in the image of God, in righteousness and true holiness. That's who you are on the inside. But, he says, I understand the weakness of the flesh, that this flesh we have yielded in the past to All manner of uncleanness. This body is used to doing wrong stuff. Just as you have yielded your body as members of uncleanness. Now you need to yield your body as slaves to righteousness. That's something you and I have to do. Amen. So God's dealt with a power issue. He's broken the power of sin over our lives. But he says you've got to yield your body to righteousness. Don't yield your body to ungodliness. That is something you and I have to do. Amen? And then, in chapter 7, Paul describes his struggle as a man under the law. He says, you know, but here's the problem. I'm just summarizing chapter 7. He says, in the inner man, I want to obey God. In my inward man, I want to do what is pleasing to God. I want to do the good, but... I find something in my body that's working against it. I find the law of sin, the dominion of sin in my members. So that while in my inner man I want to do good, the good that I want to do, I do not do. And the wrong that I do not want to do, I end up doing. Anybody here identifies with that? No, nobody on this side. (laughs) Anybody identifies with that? Yeah, we all do. Inside, I love God. Inside, I want to do the right thing. And I want to avoid the wrong thing. And yet, there is something dominating my body that keeps me from doing the good I want to do and causing me to yield to the wrong that I do not wish to do. And so in chapter 7, Paul says, towards the end of chapter 7, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, as in verse 24, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Seems like I'm trapped. Oh, wretched man I am. Who's going to deliver me? Next verse, verse 25. I thank the Lord through Jesus Christ. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Why? He's about to give us the answer. There is an answer. Don't worry. There is an answer to this whole problem. I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then chapter 8 begins. There, verse 1. There. Is therefore now no condemnation. Don't condemn yourself. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law, verse 2. For the law of the spirit. Meaning the dominion. The influence of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has set me free from the law of sin and death. Here's the answer. The law of the spirit. The law of the spirit of life. The Holy Ghost is my answer. He comes in on the scene. I know the finished work of Christ on the cross. I know I'm supposed to be yielding my body as an instrument of righteousness. But I am struggling because in my heart I want to obey God. But in my body I find the law of sin dominating my body. I find sin controlling my flesh. What's my answer? The law of the spirit of life. 
in Christ Jesus has set me free from the dominion of sin and death. Amen. Meaning he says, now the Holy Ghost comes on the scene. And the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit, meaning the dominion of the Spirit. Law understood as dominion, influence, control. The dominion of the Holy Spirit sets me free from the law, the dominion of sin that I've been struggling with in my body, which he describes so well in Romans 6 and 7. The dominion of the Holy Spirit sets me free from the dominion of sin and death. So what does the Holy Spirit do for the believer? He makes the finished work of the cross effectual in my life. He sets me free from the dominion of sin and death. Amen. That's why you and I can live victorious from sin. I'm not saying you will never sin. We all do. But we don't have to be in bondage in any sin. You can come out of every kind of habit, every kind of addiction, every kind of wrong thing that you've been struggling with for years. If when you understand that the Holy Ghost is going to set you free from the dominion of sin and death, you can come out of it. There is no sin, there is no addiction, there is no problem, there is no character flaw that the Holy Spirit cannot set you free from. Amen. Now we believers are very good at making excuses. We say, you know, my grandfather was like that. And my father and all my uncles were like that. And so am I. Maybe you inherited something, but the Holy Spirit can change it. Some of us blame our environment. You know, I was born in this kind of an environment. Maybe it's true. Maybe your environment forced you to become a certain kind of person, an angry person, uh, you know, uh, whatever, a proud person, intolerant, you know, unadjusting, whatever you might, problem you might be struggling with. But the law of the spirit of life will set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Cause us to overcome our flesh. And so Paul continues in Romans 8. And he talks about being spiritually minded. Not living according to the carnal mind. But I'll just jump down to verse 13. He says this in Romans 8.13. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death or crucify. King James says mortify. You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. The phrase I want you to look at carefully is this. By the spirit. You put to death. The deeds of the body. By the spirit. The Holy Spirit. Will help you put to death. The sinful deeds of the body. He's working in you and me to do that. So pastor. Sunday whole day I do not smoke. At least one day I give to God. Monday to Saturday. Don't worry about it. I'll come clean on Sunday. Listen, God's interested on Monday to Saturday. And if you think you can't give up your smoking, think again. The Holy Spirit can set you free. If you think you can't give up pornography, think again. The Holy Spirit can set you free. Whatever addiction, whatever bondage, whatever habit you think is controlling you, by the Spirit you can put to death, meaning have the funeral service. Put to death the sinful deeds. Of your body. Say pastor it's just a little weakness. I I won't trouble you with it. Don't worry. Just a little weakness. I mean I will still make it to heaven. Romans 8.26 says this. Likewise. The spirit. Also helps us. In our. 
weaknesses. What weakness did he talk about? We read that earlier in Romans 6. He says in verse 19, Romans 6, 19, I speak to you in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Paul brings it up again, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. The Greek there literally means he takes a hold of together with us against our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He takes a hold of together with us against our weaknesses. So don't excuse your weakness. Don't say, Pastor, it's just a little weakness. I do it. uh, It's only Monday to Saturday. Sunday, I'll be a good boy. I'll be a good person. No. God's interested what happens outside. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. The fact is this. Whatever you tolerate will dominate. So if you are willing to tolerate it, it will continue to dominate you. And you will never experience the Holy Spirit helping you take a hold off together with you against your weakness. You won't experience it because you've chosen to tolerate it. But the moment you say, God, I've refused to tolerate this. This is not acceptable in my life. I may have slipped. I may have done this for this while. But this morning... This morning, I'm hearing God's word that tells me I can be free. I am hearing the truth. I am hearing God's word that says that on the cross, the power of sin was destroyed all my life. I am hearing the truth that the Son of Almighty God paid such a great price for me to be set free from sin. I refuse to live in this dreg of sin. I refuse to tolerate this in my life. I refuse to put up with this in my life because Jesus Christ paid such a great price to set me free. It's not a small thing. And he sent the Holy Spirit to help me against my weakness. And all he's waiting for is for me to say, I refuse to tolerate this in my life. The moment I become intolerant, I'm, willing, I'm ready, getting ready to create a new future. What you tolerate will dominate, but what you confront, you will change. If you are willing to confront whatever it is that you know is displeasing to God, the Holy Spirit is there to help you against our weaknesses. He himself helps us in our weaknesses, against our weaknesses. And then Paul continues in Romans 8, 26 to talk about prayer and how praying in the Spirit really helps, helps pave the way for it. And I won't, I won't go into that, but the point I want you to get across, the Holy Spirit is there to help you, help us in our weaknesses. Very quickly, in all those epistles, he kind of hits up on the same theme. So in Ephesians chapter 5, you will turn with me to Ephesians 5. He talks about the spirit-filled life. In Ephesians 5, 18, he says, 18 through 21, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So Paul is saying, you know, don't be drunk with wine. Don't get drunk with, an, with uh, alcohol. But be filled, be intoxicated, be drunk with the Spirit. And then he describes to us what a drunk in the Spirit man or woman will look like. Did you notice he did never said anything about lying down on the floor? Did you notice he never said anything about rolling on the floor? 
Now, I am not saying that those things are wrong. I mean, you want to lie on the floor? I mean, yes, God can knock us out and we can be slain in the spirit and all of that. But the point is this. We need to give emphasis to what God gave emphasis on. Here is the drunk in the spirit, the intoxicated in the spirit life. What is it? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is the spirit filled, intoxicated in the spirit life. Amen. Now if you want to roll on the floor and speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and do it that way. That's fine with me. But. What really characterizes a spiritual life is not because you're on the floor. It's not because you wander around saying, I'm drunk in the spirit and, and, and act funny. What really characterizes a spiritual life is this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Your heart is filled with, uh, with, with the songs of the Lord, with, with worship of God. And your heart is thankful in every circumstance, every situation. You can be in the heat of the moment and you're still giving thanks. That's a sign you're filled with the Spirit. And you're walking in humility, walking in meekness, submitting to one another. That's a sign that you're filled with the Spirit. Are you hearing me? Unfortunately, the television makes being filled with the Spirit look something different. Thank God for television. We are on television all across India, many places, but... Unfortunately, we have for those spiritual life. You've got to be on the floor. You've got to be rolling, jerking, doing this, that stuff, all the crazy stuff. And oh, wow, that's really filled with the Spirit. You've got to go there. Listen, if you get there and see the Spirit, but you've got to ask these three questions. How are they once the meeting is over? After the meeting is over, are they speaking in Psalms, in spiritual songs at home? The television cameras are there. Anybody can do it nice. How are they at home? Are they submitting to one another in the fear of God? Is the husband submitting to the wife? I never heard that before. But he just did. It's talking to everybody. Submitting yourselves to one another. It didn't say only wives, you must be drunk with the spirit and submit to your husband. No, it didn't say that. All. So, therefore I say, husbands, submit to your wives. All the Bible said. Because it says submitting to one another in the fear of God. Meaning everybody just walks in humility. That's the spirit for life. So what will happen when I walk like this? Paul continues this in his epistle. Or he, he brings out more insight in this, on this, on the spirit for life in his epistle in Galatians. And I close with this in Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 to 24. He says this. Galatians 5, 16. He says, but I say this. Walk in the spirit. That means, when he says walk, it means a continuous, ongoing way of living. Meaning live in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. What will happen? You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you live like this, you will live a victorious life. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. This is your habitual way of living. Walk in the spirit. 
Speaking to yourselves the psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Father, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You're walking controlled by the Spirit. You're walking yielded to the Spirit. You're being careful not to grieve the Spirit. You're being careful not to quench the Spirit. As you walk in the Spirit, Paul says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he kind of gives us a little thing about what this work of the flesh is. He talks about anger. He talks about hatred. He talks about jealousy. He talks about pride. Do you know that these are as much the works of the flesh as the other things he lists, which is adultery and fornication and uh, whatever else. And he calls it anything like this. So we may, you know, get so angry against adultery and fornication and, and all the promiscuity and all of that. And we tend to condone anger and hatred and jealousy and pride. But all this are the works of the flesh. And he says, you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In fact, this is the true sign of a Christian. Verse 24 of Galatians 5, he says, but they that are Christ's. If you call yourself a Christian, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. Those who are Christ's, if you really say you're a Christian, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. So what does the Holy Spirit do in us? He helps us crucify the flesh. And what will happen? Instead of seeing all the works of the flesh being manifested through our lives, they will now see what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. Love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith. That's what people will see through our lives. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit working in us as believers. One of the many things he's come to do for you and me. Help us crucify the flesh. It's not an easy process. But when you and I engage with the Spirit, we'll come to a place where we who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. Amen. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no need to feel condemned about any wrong, any sin pattern, any sin that might be controlling you and me today. There's no need for condemnation there. But what I want to encourage you and me is this. Let's have some confrontation. Because whatever you confront... You'll change. Where you confront it, it's not on your own strength. Because you probably, you and I probably have tried it over and over again in our own strength and we failed. Probably years have gone by, maybe some months have gone by. In overcoming, in conquering something that you know is not right. But this morning, you and I will confront it. Knowing the reality of the cross, that on the cross the power of sin was broken, Jesus gave his life for that. And secondly, knowing that there is the comforter, our counselor, our strengthener, the Holy Spirit, who will help us in our weaknesses. As long as you condone the wrong in your life, you will still be dominated by it. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit cannot help you conquer in your life and mine. There's nothing that He cannot change. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also visit our website www.apcwo.org 
for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you